Returning tonight to the book of Psalms, the Psalm 42. Many have their favorites in the book of Psalms. I think that this 42nd Psalm has to be precious uh, to those saints of God who have at least some time in their lives had to walk through the valley of the shadow. What a precious portion it is. This Psalm 42. I dare say you have the place by now. And we're going to read the scripture as the Lord opens it up to us. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God. For the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? And I remember these things. I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan, of the Hermonites, and from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts, All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me. My prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me. While they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him. He is the health of my countenance, and my God. Praise the Lord for the reading of his word. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Can I invite you please to turn again to the psalm that was read for us a little bit earlier in the service, Psalm 42. It's a very well-known psalm, a psalm that many find themselves turning to again and again and again, especially whenever we consider the subject that we're going to look at this evening, dealing with depression. In verse 5 of this psalm, the psalmist speaks to his own heart and asks himself a question. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And then again, verse 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. The verse is repeated again in Psalm 43 and verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. And God will bless again the reading of his precious and inspired word. Last Lord's Day evening, we considered the subject of anxiety, and tonight a very similar subject, I suppose, the subject of depression. It affects many, many people to a greater or lesser degree, whether you're a believer yet or not. Every single one of us can be subject to being downcast and even depressed. And we trust that God will help us tonight and encourage us and minister to you just where you are on life's journey. Let's pray together. Let's seek the Lord. Let's ask him for his help. Let's pray. <clears throat> Eternal God and everlasting Father, we thank thee once again for the word of God. We thank thee for these wonderful words of the psalmist. How precious they are to us. We ask, O God, that Thou wilt apply them to our hearts this evening and grant the help of heaven, grant the infilling of the Spirit of God. May every individual here this evening and those that are joining us on the websites, we ask, O God, that You will bless them, encourage hearts, bring us to the Savior's feet, and help us, O God, to trust in Thee and to put our confidence and our hope in Thyself. I pray for the help of heaven. Hide me behind the cross. Make this a special time around thy feet. And may the presence of God fill this place. We humbly ask with thanksgiving in the Savior's precious and holy name. Amen. We've often mentioned before the words of the hymn that we've been singing just a few moments ago by William Cooper. William Cooper grew up in England. He was a very wealthy young man. He had a, a tremendous intellect. He had great ability in many areas of his life, but he was always subject to feelings of depression. And some of the circumstances that he passed through early in life caused that, uh, I suppose, weakness in his heart and soul to be accentuated and he slipped oftentimes from depression even into deep despair. He tried to take his life 
on several occasions. He spent 18 months in what in those days was known as an insane asylum in a place called St. Albans. And yet it was there that he found the Savior. William Cooper believed the gospel from an early age, but he felt that while Jesus Christ was able to save to the uttermost, all that would come on to God by him, William Cooper felt that in all the world he was the one exception to the rule. He felt that such was a sin that God could have mercy upon anyone, but could not show mercy to William Cooper. Providentially, during that time in that hospital, he came across a copy of God's Word and a, and a bench in one of the gardens that a Christian doctor had left behind. He opened that copy of God's Word at a venture and found himself reading in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 25 about the cross work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in that verse, it speaks of our Lord, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. And that big word, propitiation, just really means the turning away of God's wrath by means of an atoning sacrifice. And for the first time in his life, William Cooper saw and understood in his heart the great sufficiency of the Savior's redeeming work at Calvary and the power that there was in his blood to cleanse him from all of his sin. And so he trusted Christ. He became a Christian. He went on to write that great hymn, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. But still, from time to time in his life, he would fall into seasons of deep, deep melancholy, as old Christians often called it, or as we would call it, depression. Sometimes for days on end, he would sit motionless, speechless, and just stare out of his window. Seemed that there was times where his heart was overwhelmed within him. Another hymn that he wrote is the hymn that we were singing earlier, God moves in a mysterious way. His wonders to perform, he plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. And that hymn was written on the backdrop of a season again of great despair in the life of William Cooper. One night he purposed to go out and take his own life. He had picked the very place where he would drown himself in a river. He had selected the very day of the week and the very time, late at night, whenever he would end his life in that river. And it was oftentimes a quiet place. But that evening, purposing to drown himself in the cold waters of a local river, there was a man sitting on a bench. And he seemed to sit there for hours on end. And William Cooper at last went home because he knew that man will probably try to rescue me. And he went home and he took a knife and he was going to plunge upon this knife. And yet the handle broke off the knife. And then he took a, a rope and purpose that he would hang himself, but the rope snapped. And he just felt that somehow God, in spite of himself, had intervened. And he wrote those words, God moves in a mysterious way. The problem of depression affects many, many people to a greater or lesser degree. Believers and unbelievers alike can be subject to feelings of sadness and sorrow 
and despair and depression. In the United Kingdom, it is the most common reason for claiming sickness benefits in the workplace. They say that every year over 30 million antidepressant prescriptions are prescribed every single year. And some of the great saints of God in bygone days have suffered acutely with depression. See it Spurgeon, the greatest preacher perhaps since New Testament times, suffered from it often. David Brainerd, the great missionary, suffered from depression. John Knox, the Scottish reformer, suffered from depression. John Bunyan spoke about it in his life as well. Alexander White was a famous Scottish preacher, and he wrote a couple of volumes on Bible characters. He was a very eloquent preacher, but like these other men, he too suffered from depression. Adoniram Judson was a famous missionary, and laboring in the mission field alone, he often suffered from depression. The prophet Jeremiah on one occasion said, Cursed be the day wherein I was born. The prophet Elijah said to the Lord on one occasion, It is enough. Now, Lord, take away my life. It is enough. Here's a man, he's throwing up his hands and saying, Lord, I've had enough. I want you to take away my life at this very moment. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've felt like that before. Maybe you've come into the meeting and you feel like that right now. Maybe you're watching from a computer screen or a tablet or a mobile phone, and that's exactly how you feel at this very moment. Depression is something that is greatly misunderstood by many, many people, Christian people and non-Christians alike. I believe tonight that depression is greatly misunderstood even in the Christian church. And then in secular areas as well, even sometimes perhaps in the medical world, depression is not always understood because it's a very complex thing. And there can be many things that are contributing factors to depression. And yet tonight from this pulpit, as always, we're going to dig into the Bible and consider a little bit tonight of what the Bible has to say upon this subject. The word depression is never mentioned in the Bible, but whenever you come to Psalm 42, it's very evident that the psalmist, and we believe tonight that it's the psalmist David, he speaks about being cast down within his soul, brought to a very low place, brought into the depths and into the deep. In verse 7, he says, Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of of thy water spouts, all thy waves, and thy billows are gone over me. And he feels absolutely overwhelmed, even under the hand of God, and finds himself cast down, and his very soul disquieted, unsettled, within him troubled and stirred up, and anxious and afraid, and all of these things as well. His intellect, his emotions are all tied in with that word the soul. And so tonight we just want to consider dealing with depression. Let's think for just a few moments about the word depression itself. What does the word depression mean? What does it mean to depress? Literally, the word depress means to lure in spirits. It means to bring down 
It means to take from one height and bring it down to a a lower degree. And David speaks about this in the psalm. He speaks about his soul being cast down, thrown down from a a pinnacle, maybe a mountaintop experience, and being plunged suddenly down into the valley, cast down, brought low, we might say, feeling that he's in the valley, in the place of despair. He makes mention of it again in verse number six. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. And he can't really understand the reason why his soul is cast down. He asks the question, why? On three occasions, why, why, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Depression is a very delicate subject. It varies in intensity. And it also varies in duration from person to person. Some people could describe themselves perhaps at times as being a little bit out of sorts, a little bit cast down, just not feeling on top of the the world. And they say, well, I'm just a little bit depressed. And then there are others who feel greatly depressed. And then there are some who maybe feel depressed for a few hours or a few days. And then there are others who struggle with depression and it maybe lasts for weeks or months or sometimes perhaps even years. It is often described as being like a a dark cloud. And for some it might seem that the sky above is completely overcast and well-meaning people can come alongside somebody that's going through such emotions and experiences and say, I know how you feel. And the person struggling with this problem says within their hearts, nobody knows how I feel. The reality is tonight that only God in heaven knows how you really feel. Because this problem can be entirely unique to the individual that is suffering from it. And then some very foolishly can come along and say, snap out of it. Give yourself a shake. Sure, you've nothing to worry about or be concerned about. You're strong, you're fit, you're healthy. You don't struggle financially. You should be thankful for all of the blessings that you have. But friends, we know tonight that it's not just as easy to snap out of feeling depressed and discouraged and downcast or in despair. If we could just snap out of it, we would have done that a long time ago. Because nobody, I believe, enjoys feeling feelings of depression. Various things in life can indicate that we are depressed, a loss of interest in things that we usually enjoy, maybe a loss of interest in hobbies or fellowship or friendship or places we enjoy going, a loss of interest in work or a loss of interest in in our Christian walk, even sometimes even a loss of interest in life. Sometimes depression can be accompanied by feelings of guilt, feelings of intense regret, Feelings of being a failure, feelings of worthlessness, hopelessness, uh, uh, maybe a, a, a weight upon the soul, maybe a, a sense of, of just disturbed sleep, mood swings, hyperactivity, can't settle to do anything, jumping from one thing to another, maybe even in a physical sense, weight gain or weight loss. Lethargy, anxiety, crying for no real apparent reason, find it hard to think clearly, 
The thought life seems to be slow. And sometimes even more than that, suicidal thoughts. And sometimes the smallest things can unsettle us. We often hear about the the straw that breaks the camel's back. Things that we would easily take in our stride at other times cause us so much anxiety and cause us to be so, so depressed and discouraged. Abraham Lincoln was, of course, one of the great presidents of the United States of America. On one occasion, he wrote in his diary, I am now the most miserable man living. If what I feel were equally distributed to the whole human family, there would not be one cheerful face on earth. To remain as I am is impossible. I must die or else be better. Depression. Something about that word that just almost brings us down at the very thought of it. But what are the various causes or types of depression? Here we can enter into a very controversial area. One great problem affecting us is we live in a, in a secular world. And there's no real concept in this world of ours of God. There's no real concept in this world of ours of sin and the fallen nature that we are born with and a fallen world around us. There's no real concept in this world of what the soul is. And David here in this psalm is speaking about the soul being cast down. But the secular world outside of these walls doesn't really recognize the reality of the soul or the reality of the supernatural or the reality of the spiritual. No concept of living in a fallen world and being born with a a fallen nature and the whole concept and philosophy of evolution just dictates that we're just a, a bunch of chemicals brought together, elements and chemicals, and everything can be fixed with the right balance of more chemicals. And so often, depression is viewed as being clinical. Now, dear friends, tonight I believe that there is certainly, definitely, such a thing as clinical depression. I believe that there are some people and they get depressed easily and very often it can be a a clinical thing. It can be a medical problem because the brain, like every other organ in the body, is subject to infirmity. Somebody can have a heart problem and it's medicated for. Somebody can have a liver problem and it gets medicated for. Somebody can have a a hearing problem or a sight problem and it it gets treated. And somebody can have a problem in their brain, in their mind. And all of these things can, can come together to bring the person down because the brain is an organ and therefore there is certainly such a thing as clinical depression. There is such a thing, yes, as mental illness. Of course there is. People struggle with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and manic depression and anxiety and all sorts of of different orders. But there can be a very real problem whenever we have the idea that all depression is viewed as a mental illness or a mental disorder and all depression can be treated medicinally. Certainly it can for some and it's needful for some to be in medication. Of course it is. 
But there are certainly other causes and factors that contribute that need to be looked at as well. Just because a person feels depressed does not mean that there is something wrong with them mentally and their brain chemicals need to be rebalanced. Because not only can uh, depression be clinical, but depression, of course, can be circumstantial. There are things that happen in the lives of God's people And when they happen, it is entirely right for us and entirely natural for us to feel sad and feel prolonged periods of sorrow. Here in the psalm, the the psalmist David says in verse number 9, I will say to my God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? David recognized there are enemies out there. Some of them are even in my own home, my own family. Maybe he was thinking about Absalom. Maybe he was thinking about King Saul. Maybe he was thinking about the Philistines. Who knows? But he recognized there are enemies out there, and they cause me to mourn. I cannot rest from them. I cannot sleep easy because these enemies are always around me. And then in 1 Samuel chapter 1, we read about Hannah. And Hannah said, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. And her problem was not clinical. Her problem was circumstantial. It wasn't that she had, as far as we know, some type of mental disorder. Hannah was struggling with the fact that she was barren and her adversary was provoking her sore day after day, week after week, about her barrenness, and like so many young mothers, she longed that she would have a child. And to add insult to injury, her adversary provoked her and mocked her day and daily, and you could understand how that would cause her to be sorrowful. And then you've got the classic case of God's servant Job, a man who was perfect before God in his generations, a man who feared God, who eschewed evil, who rose up early in the morning to pray and intercede and offer sacrifice for his family. And in Job chapter 3, Job says in verse number 2, Let the day perish wherein I was born. Verse 4, he speaks about darkness, as he does again. In verse number 5, blackness, darkness, over and over again. And Job's problem again was spiritual and circumstantial things that happened in his life. He had lost his business. He had lost his home. He had lost his family. He had lost his physical health and well-being. And you could understand that Job couldn't help but feel deep, deep sorrow because of the situation that he found himself in. There would be something almost unnatural if he is able to sit with a big smile upon his face and ride the crest of the wave and not allow these things to get to him. The people that he loved had been taken from him. The business that he had built up had come crumbling down, and his body was covered in sores. And then, of course, there's the great apostle Paul himself, and he talks about a thorn in his flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet him. And in 2 Corinthians 1.8, Paul says, I would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came unto us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired 
even of life, the great apostle Paul, cast into despair because of the circumstances that he was facing in life. These people that we have mentioned here, they did not suffer, I believe, from mental illness. Their problem was seemingly, it was entirely circumstantial. And there are circumstances and things that happen in life and it is natural for us to be sorrowful whenever certain things happen. If a man or a woman or a young person is bereaved, of course that is going to cause intense sorrow depending on what the relationship is like. They're going to feel oftentimes depressed because of their circumstances. Some depression is clinical. Some depression is circumstantial. Some depression can be temperamental. All of us in this meeting tonight are different. We have got different personalities, different temperaments. You look at the disciples that the Lord chose, and not only were they coming from different working environments, but many of them had different temperaments and different personalities. Some of them appear to be quite shy and quite timid. Others, like Peter, were bold and brash, as were James and John, the sons of thunder. Some were quiet, and others were outspoken. Some seemed to be very brazen, and others seemed to be very shy. And some were introvert, and others were extrovert. And you see, God does not make us all to be clones. Even after we're converted and we're born again, we still have our own personality traits and our own infirmities our own likes and our own dislikes. If a Christian or a person becomes a Christian and before becoming a Christian they have a broken arm, just because they get converted does not mean that everything suddenly changes. They're now a Christian who has got a broken arm and that broken arm takes time to heal. And it might give them a little bit of problems for the rest of their lives. And a person can be given temperamentally to feelings of melancholy and depression and then they get converted, and the Lord can give grace, and the Lord can give help, and the Lord might take those feelings away forever. But for some, it might be an infirmity that they have for years to come. And so it's not a one-size-fits-all type thing. So depression can be clinical. Depression can be circumstantial. Depression can be temperamental. But depression as well can undoubtedly be connected with the physical. I believe tonight that whenever God formed man of the dust of the ground and God said, let us, plural, let us make man in our own image, God, singular, said, let us, plural, make man in our, plural again, our own image. I believe that the triune God of heaven made man like himself, one man with three distinct parts, all connected, body, soul, and spirit. And whatever affects the body often affects the soul. And whatever affects the soul affects the spirit. All of these things are connected. And so if a person has got intense physical infirmity, that can filter into how they're feeling emotionally and as well as to how they're feeling spiritually. It wasn't really until Job began to suffer acute physical pain that his emotions began to get affected the way they were. Physical pain can affect our emotions. So our physical bodies can affect how we feel emotionally. 
Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a medical doctor, a very gifted doctor who went on to become a preacher of the gospel. And because of his background and because of his knowledge with the Bible and theology, many people would have come to him and talked about depression and how they felt. And he said, in my limited experience, I, I, I often have people come to me with problems that they deem to be emotional problems, but they're spiritual problems. And then there are others who come to me and they profess to have spiritual problems, but oftentimes they're emotional problems. And sometimes they're also physical problems. And I'll ask them different questions to try to get to the root of the problem. How much sleep are you getting? What's your diet like? How much sunlight and fresh air do you get? How much time do you take to rest? Because he recognized that some of the physical problems that we have can filter into our our emotional life as well. One of the great examples in the Word of God with regards to a believer suffering from depression is that of the prophet Elijah. If you just want to turn for a moment or two there in your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 19, you have Elijah, verse 4 of 1 Kings 19. He went himself a day's journey into the wilderness. Now that in itself would cause the body to be tired a day's journey into the wilderness. And came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my fathers. And whenever you look at the chapters before, Elijah has been under in tremendous spiritual pressure. There's been spiritual warfare going on in Mount Carmel. And then whenever he comes down from the mountainside, having been there all day, he goes for a, a day's journey into the wilderness, and so his body is tired and exhausted. And there's been this awesome pressure on his soul and spirit with regards to all that's gone on. And furthermore, Jezebel has sent him a letter threatening to take his life from him. And so Elijah is tired. He needs rest. He needs sleep. It says in verse number 5, As he lay and slept under the juniper tree, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. He's tired. He's also hungry. He's physically and emotionally and spiritually exhausted. And for all of those reasons, and maybe reasons that we're not aware of, he finds himself depressed. And I'm sure a lot of it can just be related to the physical. See, it's Spurgeon suffered uh, a lot of medical and physical ailments. And he testified that oftentimes his mind was cast down because of, of the, the stress that his body was under. The body needs rest. The Lord Jesus said to his disciples, come apart into a desert place and rest a while. And it's often been said, if you do not come apart and rest, you will, you will come apart. That's one reason among many why the Lord gave and instituted a day of rest right there at the beginning. Whenever God created the world and all that is within them, he rested on the seventh day. And this creation ordinance was kneeled down at Mount Sinai. 
as God wrote with his finger and tables of stone, remember the Sabbath day, the day of rest. Keep it holy. Set that day apart. Rest from your earthly labors. Rest from your earthly pleasures. Come apart one day in seven and worship me. Spend time with me. Get away from all of the things. Things are legitimate six days of the week. And he wrote it in stone and he said the Savior in the Gospels that the Sabbath was made for man because God knows that we need time to rest physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And is it any wonder in this day and age that we're living in this fast-paced world whenever people can't stop for the Lord's day and they just press on and on and on, and it's like a, a spring inside a, a wristwatch or a clock. It just gets wound up tighter and tighter and tighter, like an elastic band that's always stretched and never allowed to rest. It loses its elasticity, and it's not profitable or fit for purpose. Some depression can be connected with the physical. Some depression, undoubtedly, can be spiritual. Man is a spiritual being, created for fellowship with God. We live in a fallen world. We're born with a fallen nature. And we think of a world that the Bible says groans and travails together in pain right up until this present time. The fall in the garden brought with it all sorts of suffering, physical, spiritual, and emotional as well. The old theologians used to talk about total depravity whenever they were describing the human condition as a result of sin. And what they meant by that was that every aspect of man's being has been affected by the fall. His body, his mind, his heart, his soul, his desires, his intellect, his will, his emotions, all affected by the fall. Sin is the root cause of all suffering. Original sin, it might not be personal sin, but original sin. Job said that man that is born of woman is born unto trouble. We live in a troubled, we live in a, in a broken world. And therefore we ought not to be surprised whenever sometimes we're depressed because we live in a world that's broken and we're fallen creatures. But sometimes depression, if we're absolutely honest, sometimes Certainly not all the time, but sometimes depression can be the result of personal sin. And we need to be honest and look at this as well. It is the role of the Holy Spirit to convict of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. And I believe that in this secular world that we're living in, what is just old-fashioned conviction of sin, a life without God, can often be prescribed or diagnosed, you're depressed. You see, we read about Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 16, and whenever Saul got away from the Lord and was consumed with bitterness, envy, hatred, and jealousy, and was plotting the death of David and others, the Word of God says that he was troubled by an evil spirit. And he was awfully depressed. Whenever Cain killed his brother, and he was sent out into the wilderness with a mark upon him, he says, my punishment is more than I can bear. He couldn't rest. David 
In Psalm 51, in his great prayer for repentance, as a believer having sinned with Bathsheba and organized the, the, the manslaughter and the murder for husband Uriah, he said that he had lost the joy of his salvation. And then Peter, whenever he denied the Lord with oaths and with curses, went out and wept bitterly. Sin does bring guilt and it does bring regret. The Spirit of God does bring conviction. And whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son that he receives. Maybe tonight your fundamental need is for God's salvation. Or maybe it's for restoration. Maybe you've got away from the Lord and nobody knows anything about it. But you know in your heart and life that you're no longer in the place with God where you once were. And you're discouraged. You're irritable. You're easily upset. You're easily derailed. Because the Word of God says, Great peace of they that love thy law. That may be tonight that you've lost. Lost out with God. Living in violation to God's law will have a detrimental effect on society and upon the individual as well. Also for the believer, there can be times of darkness that we just do not understand. I think this is where David is here in this particular psalm. Why? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? The hymn writer said, Days of darkness still come o'er me. Couldn't understand it. Prophet Isaiah threw out a question, Who is among you that feareth the Lord and obeyeth the voice of his servant? And yet, in spite of all that, you walk in darkness and you've got no light. It's good to look at these things. Try to discern where these problems are. And then some depression undoubtedly can be diabolical. It can come from the devil himself. Paul said, We are not ignorant of his devices. The Word of God says he goeth about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The Scripture says he comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. The Bible says he's a liar and he's the father of it. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's a slanderer. He's a serpent. Scripture speaks about his fiery darts. Daniel 7 and 25 speaks about the Antichrist. And it says he will wear out the saints of the Most High wants to grind down the believer. And some depression undoubtedly can be diabolical. Jesus Christ our Lord, we quote it again, Hebrews chapter 4, was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He was absolutely sinless, holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, the impeccable Lamb of God. He was the perfect man. And yet in his life he said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. He said that to his father in the garden of Gethsemane. He was in all points tempted like as we are. He has known what suffering is, and therefore he's able to support. So if you're depressed tonight, it's important to look at these areas and try to discern where is this coming from? Is it spiritual? Is it diabolical? Is it physical? Is it temperamental? Is it circumstantial? Is it clinical? And by a process of elimination, 
try to get to the root of the problem, but David just doesn't get it. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Let's just close with a few helps for those who are feeling as David did. Does the Bible give us any help or any guidance? Yes, it does. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light onto our path. That indicates darkness. Sometimes whenever we find ourselves in the dark night of the soul, the best thing to do is open the Word of God and read a psalm like this and pray to the author of this book and say, God, that is exactly how I feel. I'm glad that you've written this in the Bible that people who have gone on before feel the way I do. Does the Bible give answers? Obviously, if there's sin in our lives that needs to be confessed and repented of, that's the, that's the first place to start. Psalm 51 is David's prayer of repentance. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Restore unto me the joy of, of thy salvation. Have you done that tonight? Is that what the problem really is? Maybe tonight you'd be honest enough to say, that's my problem I need to confess I need to ask the Lord to cleanse me. I need to pray, Lord, I want you to restore the joy that I lost through getting my eyes off you. But if you're there and you're still feeling low and feeling downcast, consider David's example here in this psalm. Why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? David's recognizing here there maybe are no quick answers. I don't really understand why I'm feeling the way I am. But you know, David is talking to himself here. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Talking to yourself is not a sign of madness. Sometimes it's one of the best things that we can do. David is reasoning with himself. David is speaking to himself. Now, David, why are you feeling like this? What's the problem, really? Why are you having these thoughts? He's not resigning himself to, well, this is just the way it has to be. He's asking himself, why, why am I feeling like this? He's commanding himself as well. David, you need to put your hope in God afresh. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Don't look at the circumstances around you. Don't focus upon the enemy all the time. Don't look at your circumstances all the time. Don't always look within yourself. Lift your heart. Lift your eyes higher. Put your hope and your trust and your confidence in God. And he's reminding himself, David, you need to stop for a moment and get back to God. Put your hope and trust in him. He encourages himself. He says, I shall yet praise him. Sometimes whenever you're at your lowest, you think, I'll never, never get out of this. I can't see light at the end of the tunnel. Can't trace the hand of God. But David, even though he maybe feels like that, reminds himself, I shall yet praise him, who is the help of my countenance and my God, sometimes we can be taken so much up with ourselves we lose sight of God. Just during the week there, I'd been reading for a number of weeks through First Samuel. Came to that great chapter 30, whenever David and his men returned to Ziklag. And they see the smoke on the horizon. 
And they come to their settlement and it's been burned with fire and destroyed. And all of their wives and children have been taken away. And they all sit down and weep until they have no more power to weep. And then they all turn around and they begin to blame David. And they all speak of stoning him. And David is distraught. He's depressed. He's in despair. But then he begins to encourage himself. And the Lord is God. He recognizes, God, I can't handle this. But Lord, you're in control. And you know all the things that I know, and you know all the things that I don't know. And he encourages himself in the Lord his God. And he begins here in this psalm to preach to himself the great truths of God's word. I can trust God. God has helped me before. God is the health of my countenance. He's not just God, but he's my God. And even if I feel like this, I'm reaffirming that my hope is in Christ and in Christ alone. And I'm holding out hope for a better day. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, Most of the unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. Sometimes we allow our thoughts to govern, govern us so much that we don't stop and sit back and say, No, I need to talk talk to myself, and I also need to talk to God. That's the most important thing. Verse number six, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. David speaks to himself. He recognizes the condition. He maybe doesn't understand it fully, but then he gets back to the place of prayer, and he gets back to God, and he gets to know God in a deeper way, and he speaks about the help of his countenance. God's face shining upon him, turning and looking full in his wonderful face. David looks out. David looks back. David looks up. He remembers verse number six, I will remember thee from the land of Jordan. He's looking back all the times that God has helped him before. He's looking within. He's looking up. And he's looking on, I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Fellowship with God is the most important thing. Fellowship as well with his people. Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Friends, sometimes there's no big answers. Sometimes the answers are very simple. Stay upon Jehovah. Keep trusting the Lord. Keep your hope in God. Spend time in his word. Tell him exactly how you feel. Be honest with him. And hold out for a better day. And may God bless you tonight. May God help you. May God encourage you. 426 is our closing hymn this evening. 426, Does Jesus Care? When my heart is pain, too deeply for mirth or song, as the burdens press and the cares distress, and the day grows weary and long. There's another question. Does he really care? You know, the disciples asked the Lord that question. Master, carest thou not that we perish? And then the, the hymn writer speaks to himself, reminds himself, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief.